Welcome to the sermon podcast from North Decatur United Methodist Church, where all are welcomed and included, connected with God and with one another, and sent out in service and invitation to the world. Each week we bring you the most recent sermon from me, Patrick Fallhaber, or from guest preachers. Thank you for listening and subscribing. I've got a bad habit that I think I share with other people. Um, you can tell me if I do or don't, but I have a bad habit of if I want something to be done, I would rather just do it myself than talk about it with anybody else. Is that familiar? I'm really bad about this, y'all. It really. So, um, gosh, several weeks ago now, Susanna was asking me how to use one of the tools that I have in my shed, which I, I'm a, I love doing woodworking. It's a hobby of mine. I, when people ask me what I did for my birthday, I tell them with great glee, I built a chair, and it was the best day of, uh, my, of my whole year. I just stayed in my shed all day and built something, and it was amazing. Uh, in the particular role that I have, seeing something come to a complete end never happens. So making a chair, I know that it's done. And, yeah, it's great. Yeah, we, yeah applaud me, please. That's good. Yeah. <laughs> I do sit in it. Thank you, Alan. I appreciate your confidence in my skills there. It is sitable. Um, but uh, she was asking me how to use one of my one of my tools out there, <clears throat> and my question to her was, "What do you What do you need it for? I can go ahead and do it. I, I can do it." She's like, "No, I want to learn how to use the tools." And I'm like, "Yeah, but it'd be easier for me just to go ahead and do it than to like show you how to do it, and then." Like, for me, the problem is that, like, as soon as someone else is using one of my tools, I'm sure they're going to mess it up. Like, no matter what, like, I trust Susanna with everything in my life. But, like, the idea that she would use one of my toys without me is just an absolute mess. Because I know how to use it right. At least I know how to use it the way I use it. Whether it's right or not doesn't really matter. The thing comes together and it's fine. So when she asked me how to use one of my tools, it like sent me on this weird spiral that I just could never really get myself out of until she finally was like, Patrick, just show me how to use the tool. You don't have to do it yourself. So, you know, I went and breathed through that for a little while and eventually we went back outside and I was able to show her how to use some of the tools in the shed and now I just have a little bit of anxiety whenever she goes out there to use all of what I still think of as my tools in our shared covenant of marriage. I'm working on this. I'm aware of this major flaw within me and uh, this is what we talk about with sin, right? It keeps us distant from one another. That is that, that whole thing. So it's helped me over the last couple of weeks reading through the book of Genesis. Um, we're, we're reading the, the Bible in a unique way. We started this last year and we're doing it again this year. We're reading the Bible through what's called the narrative lectionary. This is about to get real church nerdy, but stick with me. I think it's helpful. 
The narrative lectionary is a tool that was built really just a few years ago to help churches and to help people who uh, teach and preach through uh, through the year of the, of the life of the church to work through the whole Bible every year with one gospel focus. So it's a four-year cycle, and you always begin in Genesis, and you always go through the end of one of the gospels. And we won't even get to the New Testament together until Advent. So, like, Christ doesn't come into the world, at least in this series, until we start talking about the coming Messiah, right? So, that in, in Advent. And so, it's a really lovely thing. It keeps us honest about what Scripture's doing, because what existed before the narrative lectionary and still is used in most churches around the world is something called the lectionary, the common lectionary. And what that does is it gives you four options. It's an Old Testament, a Psalm, a Gospel, and one of the letters. And you can sort of choose which of those you want to focus on. Some people who are more talented than me try to, like, connect all of those four texts. And that always feels like an awful lot of gymnastics, um, theologically. Anyway, again, very church nerdy. But it's important for you all to know because we are following a narrative arc now. We started last week, and we're continuing this week, and we'll continue moving forward, which means there's a lot that we'll skip over, but a lot that we'll be able to cover. We talked about creation. We talked about the Noah and the flood. And today we're talking about Abram, who will become Abraham, but we're not there yet. The ark that we're following will lead into Matthew, where we learn about how God, how Jesus, through Jesus, God is reinterpreting once again the, the, the good news that God has been with humanity for all of time, guided through this particular lineage in Abraham to bring blessing to the world. And that right there is what I want to talk about today. What it to be blessed by God. Dan read it for us. When God comes to Abram, he says, I will bless those who bless you. And I will curse those who curse you, which leads us with a lot of questions. At least it leaves me with a lot of questions. What does it mean to be blessed by God? What does it mean to be cursed by God? And what do we do with that in our current day and age? In the beginning of Genesis, we see this incredible story about how out of chaos, God creates everything that we know. Life, light, lands, humanity itself created. And then God gives humanity a blessing. Actually, the first blessing doesn't even come to humanity. Did you know this? Who, who is the first to be blessed? Does anybody know? When God creates the animals, God blesses the animals to be fruitful, to multiply, to inhabit the earth. The first blessing is about fruitfulness. And then when humanity is crafted from the dust of the earth, they're given the same blessing, but one step more. They're blessed to be numerous, to multiply, to fill the earth. And, depending on the translation either to subdue or to tend to the earth. So humanity is given this two-part blessing, that they would have uh, the resources to care for the environment around them, and they would have the capacity to fill the earth and be a blessing to that earth. 
enabling all of the life within the earth to flourish and survive and grow. Really what God does is puts within humanity's hands the power, the power, the power to bring curse to the land by keeping creation from sustaining itself or to bring God's own blessing and promise to the land that he, that all of creation would thrive. And what does humanity do? But choose curse. And we get to the Noah story, which is what we talked about last week. God sees that humanity has devoted itself to chaos, to becoming the curse. And God once again steps into this chaos, allows that chaos to make its declarative statement for a once and last time, and then starts again with the same blessing given to Noah to be fruitful, to multiply, to fill the earth so that they would be a blessing to creation. And what do they do? Rather than filling the earth, they use the power that they have to build a tower to compete with God. You see what's happening. Like It's like God keeps giving humanity God's tools, and humanity keeps breaking it. <laughs> it's easier just to do it yourself. This is what I'm learning from the Bible, Alan. Do it yourself. So God keeps giving humanity this incredible capacity. And only God knows why, right? Because what continues to happen People continue to choose to follow their own um, selfish desires, either to, uh, to, to break what exists in the earth, to rule over it with power that's destructive, and to rule over one another with power that's destructive, or to unite around a common goal of defeating God, to becoming an equal with the divine that's created everything. You see, this is fundamentally one of the problems that humanity struggles with from the very first pages of Scripture all the way through till our current moment is this need, this desire to prove our worth. By competing with the world around us or even by competing with God, God's self. Even coming to the point where we claim for ourselves, if I'm successful, it's because I put hard work into it. Forget about all the people who've been a blessing in my life. Forget about all the knowledge and wisdom that's been passed down to me through educators and friends and family who've held me accountable to a standard of a work ethic that I would have never had on my own, or a standard of the pursuit of knowledge that I would have never had on my own, or connected me to the right person that I wouldn't have known without, without these other people. You see what I mean? We, and then we, somehow we end up on the, the top of this Mountain, and we look around us, and we may be surrounded by a cloud of witnesses, but all we see is that we're above everyone else. The Tower of Babel. Suddenly, despite all of those hard conversations and those important people in our life, we look out over a sea of people who helped us become who we are, and we claim with such arrogance, I did it. Myself. Of course I can't share my tools. They're mine. And 
And so God casts that tower down, gives everybody different languages so they can't communicate with one another, and issues the same blessing, that fruitfulness and life would flourish. And into that chaos, once again, God sees a particular couple, Abram and Sarai, and decides to focus God's attention on the particularity of their circumstances. To bless them so that their family would be a blessing to the rest of the world. So God steps into the particular life of Abram and Sarai with the intent of all of the world learning what fruitfulness and blessing and love and grace looks like by following not only in their example, but allowing their impact on the world to become something that is um, educational and formative and good and blessed. And so God looked to Abram and Sarai, who are unable to have children of their own, and promises them that not only will God be with them through their journey, but that God is calling them away from their family to start something completely new, stepping out of what is familiar into a new season of chaos. And even while they have no capacity to build their family, God is promising a blessing for generations to come after. Everything that Abram and Sarai are being asked to do is fundamentally counter to the idea of well-being, safety, <laughs> security, and success in their day and age. They're being called away from all of their networks of safety to go and live in a land occupied by another people, hoping that one day, and what we see is like 40 generations from then, they might actually occupy it. And have this land, that would be a blessing. That's a long time, y'all. That's 40 generations. That's a long time. Anybody want to do that math? <laughs> it's a long time. We'll just leave it there. So you have to wonder what happened for generations 30 to 35. They're hearing stories about Abraham and Sarah's promise while they're living as slaves in Egypt. They've never inhabited the land. No one ever owned anything in their families. They're just hearing stories about one couple hundreds of years ago that were promised something. You, can you imagine the hopelessness that would settle in there and the kind of moral strength that it would take to stay focused on that story when all you've ever known is slavery, marginality, oppression. But this family was promised to be a blessing. Those who bless you, I will bless. 
Those who curse you, I will curse. How do you hold on to that while living as slaves in Egypt? I don't know the answer to that question. This is one of the problems, I think, that we have in, a, in our particular season of American life. Many of us in the room, not everybody in this room, but many of us in this room have only known some amount of privilege. We just have, you know, life has been maybe not easy. We've had to struggle. We've had to work hard. But because of the nature of our struggle and the work that we've had to do, it's very easy to claim it as our own rather than something offered as a gift, both by our community and as a challenge by God. Because as people of faith, we believe in the blessing of God, but the blessing of God doesn't look like, you know, hashtag blessed, right? If, if you've been blessed, as an example, with a new car that you love, It ain't yours. You see what I mean? If you've been blessed with a full freezer of food just in case, it ain't yours. If you've been blessed with a house with an extra bedroom that you don't need, it ain't yours. The blessings of God come with a, a call, come with responsibility. Because as soon as we start to claim the things that we have as mine for myself, for me to use and no one else, they become a curse. Because they become the tools through which we alienate and isolate ourselves from the people around us. So I, being blessed with a full shed of tools, used it to create distance between me and my spouse. Do, do you see how that happens? Because I decided it was mine, when ironically, Every one of those tools that I've been using was given to me for free because some benevolent stranger's uncle had died and knew that I was looking for new tools. Do you see how quickly blessing becomes curse? Do you see how easy it is to take ownership over something that was never mine? And to use that as a means to keep people at a distance from my stuff. It's so easy, and that is just the example I'm willing to talk about right now. We've all got these things that we hold on to as our own, whether it's a job or a house or, um, you know, an investment account, which, to be fair, most of us are giving a lot of money away through our investment account right now, if we're being honest. But, like, whatever it is, you may have worked hard to build it up. It's yours. 
And as soon as we start using those things as means by which to create separation from the people around us, the, the worse it gets. You know, it's amazing. I get emails from people who want to be my financial advisor, which I don't know why. They clearly do not understand my finances, but who are like, I'm happy to be your financial advisor. And there's been, I've only done this twice, but I've responded to two of them saying, hey, actually, the nonprofit, right, that we partner with is looking for financial advisors to work with uh, folks who are near homelessness. Not, a, not one of them responded. Because we don't give what we have, we sell what we have in order to have a benefit for ourselves. Do you see what I mean? This is the problem, curse and blessing. And the problem is they can be simultaneously both. And so our, our decisions, our choices, the work that we're called to do is to discern how can I use what has been given to me through hard work and through particular privilege to have a benefit for my community while also sustaining my capacity for life. Because what we learn through scripture is there is always enough, always. The abundance of God always pours out enough for us to be able to sustain our lives well, while also helping the people around us, helping our community of faith, helping our community beyond our community of faith, to be able to thrive within a community that is built on the blessing of God. And all that we have to do is to choose fruitfulness, abundance, belovedness over isolation and pride. It's the constant choice. Every time we have any interaction, any time we receive a blessing, we have a choice to allow it to become a blessing or to become a curse. And that is the power that God has given to us that I will never understand. Because as you all know, if I were God, I would just do it myself. But God continues to work through the flaws of human beings like me, like you, to bring blessing into the world. We have that power. We have that privilege. We have that responsibility. So may we use it well. Amen. Thanks so much for listening to this week's sermon from North Decatur United Methodist Church. If you like this podcast, please leave us a review on iTunes. And if you want to learn more about our church, you can visit us at ndumc.org. Mm-hmm.